0: Hey, where's your outlet? So I could plug you in on today's episode of Smiley Said It. Today's date is July the 17th and it is Saturday. On today's episode, I will be discussing a lot of different things. Um, Today's episode, I'm going to be talking about Kevin Samuels, unfortunately. I know a lot of people hate him um, and they have every right to right now, uh, especially after the things that he's been pulling off lately. We're going to talk about accountability. You know especially when it comes to the controversy that's happening right now in the olympics um, with a lot of our black female athletes and wow (laughs) so much of that has been i don't know it's just been everywhere you know we're going to talk about wendy williams and her controversy over her pretty much disrespecting a 19 year old young man that was murdered and gunned down recently who is really well known on TikTok and uh, a lot of other stuff? Wow. You know what? Let's just get right into it, shall we? Here we go. I am so glad to be back, y'all. <laughs> wow. So I've been like just all over the place and pretty much, um, yeah, just working. I have two projects right now that I'm working on. I went to Costa Rica on vacation. That was lovely. I'm editing that vlog actually as we speak, but not really. <laughs> um, I'll be doing it after I'm done recording. But nevertheless, um, you guys have some footage coming towards your way um, of my trip to Costa Rica for the third time. It was so fun. It was well needed after pretty much being locked down for a year and what, four months or so? It's been, yeah, since Barcelona of last year in February, since I've left the country. So, you know, it's been a while. (laughs) But anyways, now that I'm back and rejuvenated, let's talk about some, you know, topics right now. So what has been going on lately? From what I've seen in regards to uh, the Olympics is um, marijuana being the topic. Also, you know, people that are transgender uh, competing, such as a trans woman um, competing in a female competition uh, for the Olympics. So let's get into the articles, shall we? Because that's what we do over here. We, We talk about the articles and the footage and then we dissect it. All right. All right. According to the Gainesville dot com, the title is: Here's these pop-ups. No one cares." You know what? Olympic marijuana rules are dumb, but they can't be blown off. That's the title, <laughs> written by David Whitley, on July the eleventh. So. It says, Shikari Richardson is America's best female sprinter. She won't be at the, T- the Tokyo Olympics because she failed a drug test. Not for performance, enhancing drugs. Richardson was disqualified for smoking marijuana. I believe she took an edible, but I can be wrong. Um, that is a dumb rule. The only thing dumber has been the reaction of athletes and a lot of other people who sprinted to Richardson's defense. This is so trash, man. Just let her run. Patrick Mahomes tweeted, That sentiment has evolved into a national uproar. Almost 600,000 people have signed the Let Shikari Run online petition urging the US anti doping agency to drop the penalty, saying it is excessively punitive for for an irrational, outdated rule. It's hard to argue with that. Richardson wasn't just the gold medal favorite in Tokyo, the 21 year old was primed to become a breakout star. She has flowing orange hair, long fingernails, and an ever essence that TV audiences eat up. But after winning the 100 meters at the Olympic trials in Eugene, Oregon, Richardson tested positive for THC. She admitted she smoked marijuana after learning her biological mother had died unexpectedly. Okay, so she smoked. Okay, got it. It sent me into a state of emotional panic, Richardson said. I didn't know how to control my emotions or deal with my emotions during that time. The rule book had no sympathy. Richardson got an automatic 30-day suspension. She could have run in the 400-meter relay, which would occur after her suspension was over. The relay team had already been chosen, however. US Track officials said there was no provision in their selection criteria that would allow for a substitution, and it would have been unfair to kick out a runner who'd run who'd run clean at the trials. Those are the cold, hard facts. But there's a lot of haziness when it it comes to pot. To be banned, a drug must A, cause harm to the athlete, B, enhance performance, or C, violate the spirit of the sport. That last one ventures deep into morally subjective ground. Considering their societal costs, I'd ban booze, cigarettes, street drugs, and the Kardashians. (sighs) but I'm an old prude out of step, out of step with the world. A recent Pew Research Center poll showed only 8% of Americans think marijuana should not be legal for adults. Recreational use is legal in 19 states, including Oregon. By the way, it's not, it's not federally legal yet. So just have to put that in there. Um, because you know, some people confuse the two between, you know, state and federal level when it comes to legalities and stuff like that. But let me keep, let me continue <laughs> the nfl mlb ufc and nh and nhl have stopped suspending athletes for marijuana use the dorm rooms for of many college athletes have more pot than willie nelson's tour bus <laughs> in other words if everybody who supports marijuana were suspended from their jobs for 30 days america was shut down as for marijuana-enhancing performance, that might be true for some artists and musicians, but it's wacko to say pot makes you run faster. If it did, Miley Cyrus would be Usain Bolt. You know what? <laughs> who, who is this guy? <laughs> this is Bull, Odell Buckham Jr. tweeted. Those words have just echoed from locker rooms to Hollywood to Washington, D.C., when Alexandria o- Ocasio-Cortez and Donald Trump Jr. agree on something. You've hit a strange cultural sweet pot. But have these people really thought this thing through? The world runs on rules, and we can't pick and choose which ones we want to obey. I don't like having to drive 70 miles per hour on the interstate, but I don't drive 90 and expect the patrol man to just wink as I fly by. If you're an Olympic caliber athlete, drug testing is a part of your life. Ask Michael Phelps, who was suspended for three months in 2009 after photos surfaced of him puffing on a bong. Richardson knew the drug cops were waiting in plain sight at the trials, but she smoked pot anyway. No doubt she was distraught over her mother's death, but if Olympic drug rules made exceptions for emotional distress, where would that end? If Tom Brady had failed a drug test before the Super Bowl, would Mahomes have expected NFL to still let him play? Closer to home, if Najee Harris tested positive for marijuana before the SEC championship game, would Florida fans have rushed to sign? and said, let Najee run, petition. About 40 countries have at least partially legalized marijuana use, but that means at least 150 countries that will participate in the Olympics have not. The USADA, they can't decide the rules of competition, don't apply to America's best sprinter. To her credit, Richardson isn't playing the victim card or politicking to get to Tokyo. She's taken responsibility and vowed to return better than ever. I know I did what I'm not supposed to do, she said on today's show. If there's any good news here, it's that the controversy has spurred the drive to redefine marijuana restrictions in sports. Even the USADA says it's time to bring the rules into the 21st century. But until that happens, the rules are the rules and they should be followed. Even the dumb ones. Now, that was very well written, actually. Um, And funny. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I I agree. I agree. Here's the thing. As someone that is pro-cannabis, I can't get mad, like I told someone, I can't get mad, right, if I sign up to take a job and I'm interviewed and they love everything about me and I qualify and they're like, okay, well, here's the job, but we have to drug test you and do a a, a criminal background check, you know? And then if I know that I'm smoking or I smoke the day before and I take a drug test that they assign, I can't get mad and say, oh, you guys are racist because you're not letting me work, even though, you know, I'll be a great, you know, employee. The rules are the rules. I I mean, I knew that before I took the drug test. So regardless of why I smoked before I took the drug test, it can be for any reasons that, you know, because guess what? We're all stressed. Unfortunately... A lot of people lose their loved ones and don't smoke knowing that they could potentially lose their job because you just lost, you lost a loved one and now you're about to lose your job at the same time. Another thing is how people are saying, well, where are her loved ones? Where's her friends? Where's her family to like make sure she doesn't do this or check that? I'm like, Look, the lady is grown. She knew the rules and regulations and nobody should be hovering over her neck and back to see if she's smoking because she could have smoked in private. Nobody knew. And she probably didn't tell anyone that she smoked. Who knows? But at the end of the day, we have to let people hold themselves accountable without us trying to make them retract from it. You know, because this is an issue also in the black community is that we don't like holding people accountable. But even when people hold themselves accountable, we make excuses for them. And that's not how you make someone, you know, own up to their behavior by legit pushing them to not be held accountable, which she knows was wrong. I mean, how can we argue that? How are we more upset than she is? Like she said, she's going to come harder next year. And also, we have other athletes that we can cheer on that actually deserves attention. I'm sorry, but it's unfortunate. But then at the same time, we just got to keep it moving, and you know, hopefully, she's going to come better and harder, and also find another way to cope with such a loss, you know, because how she found out her mother died was actually through the reporters from what I understand. So that's even more devastating, um, to, to hear that. I, I don't know what else to say besides, you know, Hey, the rules are the rules and you just got to follow them. You know, are they dumb? Yeah, they can be dumb all they want. <laughs> they can be dumb all day long, but at the same time, as of today, they have not changed it. And we also can't keep calling things racist when we're upset, you know, because the whole internet was very upset, disappointed. Everybody was. Olympics weren't being racist, in this moment anyway. Now, I keep seeing people comparing this situation to Michael Phelps, which doesn't, I don't know how people are still comparing it to, even though it's already been stated, that not only did he lose his endorsements and, you know, he was banned from participating in the Olympics after the fact, because he didn't he didn't even smoke weed before he competed, by the way. This was afterwards. This was because they found a picture of him smoking from a bong, okay? And then they banned him. So again, I, I think a lot of people are group thinkers. I call them group thinkers, people that don't do their own research. They just follow what the crowd of what everyone else is saying, you know, because it just sounds good. And people like to be, you know, upset, <laughs> Um and love having hot topics and like love having clicks and views and stuff, but Michael Phelps in this situation is not the same. It just isn't, you know. Maybe in the future they will, but also you have to understand that Tokyo, J- Japan, doesn't allow that. So we have to look at that side too. It's not just America. I mean, the world is the world, you know, America isn't the world. <laughs> so just because it's legal in states here doesn't mean that it's legal everywhere, including in Japan, right? that's just my input on it. Um, I've seen enough of it. I just want to talk about it because people keep talking about it. So I was like, you know what? Let me just jump in on it. All right. And, uh, yeah, that's my two cents. Um, yeah, let's move along. So on the next topic, we're going to be, we're going to discuss, uh, Wendy Williams. ET reported about the situation in regards to Wendy Williams pretty much being very insensitive to the death of a 19 year old TikToker. Um, Who has way more, you know, subscribers on TikTok than she did, or technically she doesn't have a TikTok, but they made a little slick joke in their numbers count in regards to involving this topic with the death of a 19-year-old. Like, why even mention how many followers he has and then comparing it to yours? It's just very weird. But also, um, they speak on Tabitha Brown and her husband. That was recently in the news. And let me tell you something, Tabitha Brown read her down, okay, without even using a single cuss word, which is something that I aspire to be able to do, but I might get there.
1: Uh, do you know who Swavy is? Clap. Clap if you know who Swavy is. Okay. It's uh, it's
2: not my, It's not my cup of tea.
3: The clapping eventually stopped, which is when Wendy went on a minute-long discussion about the teen, also known as Matima Miller's, social media
1: following. He's a TikTok star. He's got more followers than me. 2.5 million on TikTok. But on Instagram, you have more followers. Well, as my son Kevin would say, no one uses Instagram anymore what? And as far as TikTok, I don't use that at all. Uh uh-uh. uh. I don't know what that is. I don't want to be involved.
3: Then the 56-year-old turned to a photo of the young dancer and revealed he had
1: died. So here he is. He's 19 and he was murdered Monday morning.
3: Swavy died from an apparent gunshot wound in Delaware. Wendy's moment went viral, with many calling for the show, which is in its 13th season, to be canceled. ET has reached out to the show for comment. All this comes just days after Wendy received backlash for comparing her failed marriage with ex Kevin Hunter to Tabitha Brown's marriage after the social media star told her fans that her recent successes have allowed her husband Chance to retire from his job as a police officer with the LAPD after 15 years, something
1: she called a, quote, dream finally come true. I was married to one of those. You know, I make the money and so on and so forth. Go live your dreams, buy a business, you know, stay with me, but go, go, go. You see how that turned out? I predict that this marriage is going to be on real rocky ground in a moment.
0: Because of your personal experience with your ex-husband who is trash, you think that everybody that you feel that you can squeeze into your own scenario is going to be the same you know type of uh situation or have the same outcome as your marriage well ex marriage at this point we've all dealt with a breakup majority of us have <laughs> okay this is normal right but imagine if i was to walk around and being like you know what um yeah so my ex uh four years was trash so every person that you know, has been in a relationship at the four-year mark is going to end. Imagine how crazy that would sound if I just walked around or had a platform trashing relationships that made it to the four-year mark. And I'm like, oh, you guys are not going to make it because my relationship didn't make it past the four-year mark. Even though I thought this person was going to be my, you know, lifelong partner. Things happen, right? But things also don't happen. Why can't we treat that as an inequality? Why can't we view that as the same? You know, I where do we get off making everyone else's happiness our misery that we couldn't fix or, you know, couldn't put together and, and move forward with even though it's naturally okay? No one's saying that Wendy Williams' divorce is not okay, or wasn't okay. It was justified, but who is she to sit on her platform and say, "You know what? I've been there, done that, so it's not going to last." Hey, do you know these people? Are you inside of their homes? Like, are you on a fly on the wall? No. And this is where I believe, honestly, like this is where I believe that people should not indulge in participating. Within another person's, you know, personal life that they don't know, whether it's their marriage, you know, relationship outside of marriage, or, you know, their business arrangements, etc. If you don't know exactly what's going on, how dare you get on your platform and make it seem like it is a fact. And, and, it's, and that is well in doctrine, like that is well indeed that, you know, this couple are not going to last, this beautiful black couple. You know, I have my own personal view on the marketing strategy around Tabitha, but that is never here or there in regards to her actual personal relationship. <laughs> you know, like I can have my own opinion about certain people, celebrities, without falsifying the fact that. Their personal life is not real I, I I don't have that arena because there wasn't anything shown that made it seem like their marriage was on rocky grounds. So to predict that it will be in that case and you don't even know who they are and you have this major platform is very irresponsible. Wendy is very irresponsible, and i i I don't even know how. I can react to something like that if I was Tabitha, okay? Because anything that involves my family or my personal relationships with other people or other individuals, whether it's a group or not, is none of your business. And I don't, and for me to actually come out and say what's going on, you know, with my partner or my husband. And saying, like, this is what it is, and then you're like, no, that's not what it is because I've been there, done that, as someone that's around your age group. So (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about because I didn't, I, 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 my husband had a whole side chick and got her pregnant and was buying her gifts with my own fucking money, etc. in the, in the public view. Like he didn't care. He was my manager. And so I already know how this goes in the entertainment industry. No, you do not, Wendy. You don't. You don't. As someone that's worked in, you know, production for 10 years and that has a degree in entertainment management, specifically. I can tell you the things that I've seen over the years when it comes to entertainers and their marriages and relationships, et cetera, et cetera, business too. I can go on. I can legit write a book, but it's pointless because it's none of my business. I don't care. It doesn't rejuvenate my skin. It doesn't uplift my own relationships that I have with others in my life right now. It's just kind of like, like how dare you open up your mouth and say. I'm going to predict that they're going to have rocky roads in the future based upon my own personal experience with someone that I picked and shoes and dealt with for over the years and built a strategy of gaining some type of benefit from this person. Because not only were they my husband, but they were also my, you know, partner in the work field. It's not the same, madam. It's not the same. This was someone that worked in law enforcement. Okay. This is somebody that worked in law enforcement and somebody that turned their entire life around and made their their image into, into being something that's profitable for the, her family. Whether you like it or not or understand it or not, it's, it, it's not here nor there. But at the end of the day, this is a couple that made a decision for themselves and for those to not agree with it and make it seem like it's one thing or another it's just, this is telling me how weird social media is becoming and, and how, I I don't even know. I I can never, but in, in but my actual personal, you know, opinion or a dissection of, you know, what I believe is contrary to everybody else's belief, what this couple is going through. I cannot do that and put on my platform and say, Hey, it's right. It's a fact. And make it seem as though that is what it is. No. Like, Wendy has been on the airways for, like, probably for over 20 years. Literally. So, I'm not understanding how she's not getting with the program or getting with the times of how... <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know if she's um trying to bow out with how she's being responsible on her platform and her her actual show but to me it's just very irresponsible and I'm 29 years old, you know, and I can I I smell bullshit from a mile away. I don't know if it's because I have older parents, but I I pick up on a lot of people's like energy and tone and intention and their past and their, you know, what their intentions are with their future. Like I I read people very well. That is something that I take pride in, which is why you know, I'm where I'm at in life right now. I'm alive and I'm healthy and, you know, I would say I'm thriving. I shouldn't be. If you knew my story, I would not, <laughs> I'm not supposed to be where I'm at right now, but I, I look beyond the pines, okay? So, Wendy Williams apologized from what I understand and it, it doesn't matter at this point because I I, I feel like, Wendy knows her audience and she knows how publication works. She knows how publicity works. She knows how the paparazzi works. She knows what is acceptable and what's not acceptable in mainstream and what's, you know, going to be trashed away, where she has to conjure up an apology and have some tears flowing down her cheeks and et cetera. We see this with white women all the time. Karen's, okay? Are we going to talk about Black Karens when it comes to the media, you know? Joy Reid, you know? Like, are we going to talk about, like, when it when it comes to actual Black female publications and platforms that conjure up Amanda Sills? you know, like, all these woke, quote-unquote, woke Black women that have major platforms and endorsements, et cetera, and views and clicks, et cetera, Where do we hold actual black women accountable? I'm talking to you, Jamel Hill. By the way, all these women blocked me for very specific reasons. Okay. This was like almost a year ago. Literally. Like, I remember this shit. Like, Jamel Hill, uh, um, Angela Rye and just talking about shut up and vote for joe biden and now they're backtracking and and pussy popping on the handstand that we shouldn't you know cave into white rhetoric and white policies because they were trying to get rid of donald trump i i was on that face i legit have a whole pact and you guys hear me like legit plumbing my fist into my other fist talking about this. Like, there were actual legit black American women going against the grain and, and, and battling and pushing forward about facts and statistics and legit knowledge. We weren't talking about our feelings, we weren't talking about what we believe is best for black womanhood. We were talking about the collective uplift. We were talking about Dr. Garrity. We were talking about Dr. Claude Anderson. We were talking about James Baldwin, Fred Hampton, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X. We were talking about our actual leaders. We don't have any leaders anymore. There is none. There is none. There are no black leaders right now. The only black leaders that we have are within groups and sections, and I can I can count on Antonio Moore, I can count on Evac, you know, Carnell. Like I can count on actual people that are doing actual numbers and making actual legislation and putting that effort in the groundwork, the ADOS Foundation. Okay. I'm not playing no games over here. And I have not even acted like I wasn't. I've gotten hate comments and DMs in my inbox, wishing people death on me and rape, et cetera, on me. I don't care. None of that shit matters to me because <laughs> as long as I keep talking the truth, that's what I'm going to get. Because like I told someone else, Malcolm X, whenever he was on the radio, on, on, your, on the black television screens, you have black families telling their black children, don't watch this. Whenever Malcolm X, leader Malcolm X, Malik Al Shabazz, whenever he was on the TV screen preaching the rightness of where we're going and what we should be aware of, you have actual black American families saying, oh, you should not be watching this. He's too harsh, he's too violent. This is real. You had actual black Americans turning their people away from the real truth on television screens because it was too truthful. As if Harriet Tubman wasn't like, I could have freed more slaves if slaves knew that they were slaves. This is not new, people. You know what? Before I actually continue on the conversation uh, with Wendy Williams, you know, and then trans Positioning into Kevin Samuels, I want to talk about Black social economics. So we're going to talk about Dr. Claude Anderson. Someone is that legit is uh my hero. Um, someone that I view as my actual Black American leader, aka Adios leader. Um, he said he he wrote a book and is and it's called a Black History Reader. Okay, one hundred and one question you never thought to ask all right you can find that on amazon ebay you know you can find that on most you know websites that sell books but nevertheless i just wanted to give you the title okay i'm going to record an interview that dr claude anderson is having with the rock newman show about three years ago In regards to black economics, when it comes to black Americans or African Americans, which a lot of those who know me don't, you know, don't agree or agree with the fact that I don't reference myself as being an African American. I don't call myself an African American because I am not. I am indeed a descendant of chattel slavery or an American descendant of slavery, okay? My ancestry, my ethnicity and race is simply based upon American society because we built this country in many layers and I take pride in that. I am not ashamed of my ethnicity and I'm not going to call myself a reference myself to the African diaspora because I understand history and I understand economics when it comes to American economics and African economics, regardless of what country you come from. I understand this because I am indeed a traveler, a voyager in regards of information. When I travel as a black American descendant of chattel slavery here in this country. There is nothing about me that I am, uh, hiding from. So those I know, I've been to Ghana, Tanzania, Kenya, South Africa, Morocco, and Egypt. Okay. I I've traveled. I've been in Nepal. I've been to South. I've been all over Southeast Asia. If you want to talk about even South America, I've been there too. I've been to Central America. I've been to the Caribbeans. I've been to all over the cross American country, Canada even, all over the coast. I'm just going to dive into some like legit information and um, hopefully you guys are receptive to it. If not, that's okay too. Leave your comments in the description in the comment section. I would love to hear it. Honestly, I genuinely mean that. I, I would love to have an actual discussion with those that want to understand more about this um, topic and conversation because it is very layered. So I'm not blaming those that are either confused or don't agree with it or agree with my views, etc. what I'm presenting right here on my platform. I'm here, I'm here. As long as capitalism exists, equality will never exist. We have to tackle capitalism. Where do we hold actual black women accountable when they're spewing rhetoric that doesn't align with the rest of the group and the collective? When it comes to gaining collective uplift, just because you are black doesn't mean that you are right. And just because you are a black woman doesn't mean that you are right. Because I can talk about this shit all day long. No tea, no shade. I'm ready for it. It is what it is because this is the episode that I wanted to actually conjure up when it comes to holding black, the black community accountable It's frustrating to me personally because if you read a book or pick up a book and if you know someone personally that over the years has used their platform to talk about black American collective uplift and Even the the diaspora for what's owed, including Haitians, shout out to Haitians and shout out to Haitian Americans. Y'all deserve so much more. Y'all contributed a lot to the diaspora. And, And it's unfortunate that America has legit spat on you guys time and time again on your government. But I just want to recognize the fact that I'm seeing a shift in ideology. I'm seeing a shift in di- in divisiveness between not just gender and ethnicity and nationality and race, but amongst those that can't grip that your fave is not speaking facts. Like, it's okay that your, f- your fave is not doing all right. Hold them accountable for it. Hold them accountable. That way we can actually make some progression and talk about some real shit finally, right? Depending on the category and arena and efforts of wherever you're talking about, whether it's music, film, po- politics, economics, etc. But we have to start talking about the raw truth, whether it's dating, relationships, marriage, whatever. Where are people going to actually like be like, you know what? It's okay that you feel how you feel, but this is how I feel. And I don't want to, you know, not validate your feelings. But I want you to at least meet me where I'm at. And if you can't, that is okay. That is okay if you can't meet me where I'm at right now in life. God bless you. And if you're not religious, I wish you the best. Right? That's it. Wow. Uh, Hmm. Yeah. She's being dragged. As she rightfully deserves. I mean, she really set her audience up for that because she didn't start off by saying, you know, hey, unfortunately this young man passed away, he was murdered, and he's a TikToker, etc. She had to throw shade, which typically her audience participates in because you know the producers will have the audience, you know, tell them to clap during certain parts of the show, etc. And um, you know, when she's throwing shade, it, the audience will giggle. They'll, you know, participate in the foolery. So I don't think that, given the amount of claps that they were, you know, giving, I don't think a lot of them knew the kid. So th- I, I doubt that they knew that he passed away, was murdered, um, who, who died in such a horrible way. Um, so they were just like, oh, she's probably just throwing shade on him or something, you know. Until then, she mentions that he was murdered and the way that she did knowing that before she even made that slick comment about how many followers he has and the way she looked at his photo when she turned around it was pretty vile to me because why are you looking at this kid like that after you just found out that he was murdered like it just didn't make any sense you know um it didn't um rest his poor soul but Wow. Um that was really really disgusting on her part and really irresponsible. And I don't think she knows the the line, you know, that you just don't cross and not only did she cross the line, she stepped way over it. So I actually just seen a response from I believe it was from uh his family or something that responded. Um, I don't know, but it was, it was horrible. Really, really horrible. So when it comes to the whole tab of the situation, I see a lot of different mixed reviews on it. Um, how men should lead. And and this is where we're going to (laughs) kind of switch gears into talking about Kevin Samuels, because this is really spot on in regards to the whole gender wars, you know, there's a gender war happening right now on YouTube and on Instagram and on Twitter as well. I mean, that's just what it is. So a lot of women are like, oh yeah, I agree with her. You know, Hey, if he supported her dreams while they were both broke, why can't she do the same for him? You know, they have money. He has his own nonprofit, um, business, which he has a nonprofit organization, which helps kids. I forget to what extent, but he is working. I mean, you know, he doesn't want to be a police officer anymore. He doesn't want to put his life on the line if he doesn't have to, right? I believe they said 15 years he was on the force. So he's not going to have a pension exactly, but I'm pretty sure they're all set. They're fine, you know? And who are we to like jump into someone's household and tell them what they should do and what works for them? First of all, it's weird to me. Um, Everybody has a different dynamic in their relationships and marriage. I'm not married. So I can't even comment on that part of it. You get what I'm saying? I can comment on to an extent as someone that's, you know, obviously knows what relationships are like and what goes into it, but I'm not going to tell another married woman or a married man or a married couple period, what should work for them. And I don't even know why it's a whole conversation or discussion, but now that it is, let's talk about it. So There are the other side where some women are like, oh, no, he should lead as a man. Why are you quitting your job? Like, you should still be working as if he's not, you know, he may be running a nonprofit, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't have an income coming in because we don't know what's in their bank account. We don't know anything about their income. (laughs) So it's just weird that we are policing this woman in her household because we are so much involved in this whole gender war and gender roles that we don't know when to take a step back and realize like if they're not complaining about it why are we i I don't you know like whatever works for you if you believe that a man should lead and take the role of providing um you know 100 percent of the bills etc that's fine that's gravy you know but there are some women that don't really necessarily need a man to take care of all the bills some people have a you know, a 50, 50 type of, um, relationship where 50% goes towards, you know, the girl, the, the 50% of the roles are split, you know, a hundred percent of the roles is split down in the middle. Some people have a 70 and 30 type of split relationship. Everybody's different. and We should allow that, you know, like we should allow the fact that we are now in 2021 And not everybody is going to have the same type of desires that other people have. So Tabitha, you know, gave a nice little, you know, Christian read. Okay, I'm not going to play the whole thing. I just want to get off this topic because to me, it's pretty straightforward. Like, you know, if she's happy and she doesn't mind, you know, I'm not understanding. Like, for those that know the climate that we're in when it comes to, you know, the dangers of, you know, police officers and citizens and what's going on with, you know, back and forth and thing. It's like, why would you want to, you know, not support a, a Black man from being able to no longer put his life on the line if he doesn't have to, you know? And I just don't understand how our own people, Black people, that is, is Upset at that. Like, it's just weird. It's it's very confusing that people are more upset about it than she is. Again, this stems back to the whole, you know, situation um, with Shikari. Like, why are people mad more than she is? Like, she took accountability and she's moving on. So should we. You know what? What's crazy is that I legit uh, just watched a clip that Yanni. Um, for those who don't know that who that is, Yanni is one of my favorite female YouTubers, um, who talks about some real stuff in regards to womanhood, and she gives it straight. You know, she gives it straight. So I'm going to link her information in my bio, by the way. But check out her Instagram, Real Yani. That's R E A L y-a-n-i-e beautiful beautiful woman and she carries herself so well and i respect her a lot and how she discusses things because she's very responsible about some real heavy topics you know and i can respect that so she posted this right and the caption says in the video of the caption it says they call us masculine but refuse to match us financially now this is in regards to, you know, men calling women masculine, especially Black women calling us masculine. Whenever we supposedly take the roles of men, which is leading, providing, having great careers, and making a lot of money. Some men, not all, of course, let me make that clear, feel threatened by the fact that women, especially Black women now, are making a lot, a lot of money in businesses, in you know just doing their darn thing higher education and you know you can't be too smart you can't have too many high degrees which is something that the red pill and kevin samuels and stuff like that they talk about how that's a bad thing in a way pretty much but let me play the clip okay
1: i don't we don't know what that
0: that means
1: you were somewhere that he wasn't ready to be where were you at
0: At a different point in my life. Like, I'm focused on my career. I'm focused on investing, stocks, this and that. Like, I'm at a different point in my life where different things are important to me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He was not there. He's figuring himself out. He's college. He's trying to have fun. Those aren't going to add up eventually. Mm -hmm. It's not that he, oh, I don't know. I can't speak for him whether or not he could handle that I was independent. I'm sure that didn't help the situation. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it worked because he wasn't independent. And that's just me being honest. Like if I'm going to be an independent woman and going after myself and this is not, you also have to be that cuz then you can't depend on me to depend on you cuz I won't. Mm. And then you're going to feel small. Yeah. And I think that's where the issue started coming in. I don't and that's why I wouldn't do that again. So that's why when you asked if I had like, "Oh, what's the number and this is not?" I wouldn't date someone who is not at least on my level now because I see what happens with I don't we don't know Wait, what that So <laughs> so I mean, this clip y'all so that clip is from um, The Roommates, which is a, a YouTube channel. They used to be all right, but now they just seem to bash Black women. I mean, I hate to say it like that, but I, I used to listen to their podcasts when they used to talk about some real stuff as Black men without making about Black women and not taking accountability for the male roles, you know, and just blaming everything on Black women, Black women. You choose bad, so you deserve bad. You All this stuff, you know. But- What she said was some real stuff. I mean, honestly, what woman nowadays, you know, we've all, a lot of us been there, including myself who made more than, you know, my partner or whatever at one point or whatever. And it emasculated him, you know, I, you know, if I have my own place and you're, you move in and you're not contributing to bills. You're gonna feel emasculated because you just lost your job, or you you know, you know, or you just got a, a decrease in your salary, whatever that may have you, whatever the, the reasoning is. But nevertheless, what woman doesn't want a man that's at least somewhat even near her level, if not near it, at least be self sufficient and independent as a man to be able to feel comfortable enough that you can provide something or, or or give something to the relationship and contribute to it as a man, right? Whether a woman makes more than you or not, you should still be able to pull your weight regardless. And I don't see that being a bad thing. Now, a lot of black women date down socioeconomically. That is a fact. That is not an opinion. That is a fact, right? So where do we, that's how you start the conversation by being honest, by saying, okay, well, what are men not doing rather than why women should stop doing what they're doing to be the best version of themselves. That makes no sense. Catch up, catch up. That's it. That's all a lot of men have to do is just simply catch up to their partner. If it is their feelings being emasculated because this woman is independent and knows what she wants, that is always going to be a threat for a man that wants to use a woman. Sure. Sure. You know, the woman knows when she can leave a relationship anytime she wants to, because she is worthy of having the best, you know, she has everything going for herself. What man isn't going to feel like, oh, shoot, I should, you know, chill. Like, no, you should step it up so you can keep her, right? A lot of women want to be kept because there are a lot of options for women, whether it's casual sex or marriage whether it's within your race or out of your race, whether it's within your bracket, your income bracket, or whether whether it's outside of your income bracket. Women have choices. <laughs> so some women don't know that, but a lot of us do. And a lot of women aren't tolerating the whole gaslighting of, you know, PhDs and master's degrees. Y'all wasting your, you know, y- you're wasting your your time and stuff. And it's like, No, that just sounds like some of y'all men are a little bit bitter, you know, just a little bit. But how can anybody be mad at that soundbite? Like she legit broke it down. She said, you know, I've done that. I've been there. I don't want to do that again because I know the outcome of it. And I don't want to put myself in the risk of dating someone that doesn't know who they are, doesn't know what they want, doesn't know where they're going. I can't depend on you at all. If you don't know where you're going, how are you going to steer us into, you know, a great lifestyle if you don't even know how to do that for yourself, you know, right? Men are leaders. Women need to have something, you know, worthy of submitting to. No woman's going to submit to a man just because he's a man. No, 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 no. You have to have something worthy of a woman submitting to, Right. And a lot of these men out here don't have anything worthy of a woman submitting to. And that's just a fact. Get yourself together before you start dating seriously instead of getting mad at a woman that's ready and prepared for the, the next stage in her life, okay? You should never make a woman feel bad because she's ready for the next stage in her life because you aren't, right? You can't be on a bike path and she's on a the freeway and telling her to slow down. No, 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 sir. Get rid of the bicycle and get a real car. How about that? And catch up to her. That's your job, okay? Not her jumping off the highway, then getting on the bike path to then guide you to being a man. That is not how it works. And this is coming from men that believe that modern day women are quote unquote trash because of that. And they want things to go back to the 50s and 60s? Well, guess what? The men back in the 50s and 60s were providing. They were leading. They knew what they wanted. They knew how to lead a family as a whole. They weren't playing games out on the streets like these young men are. Okay? So we're really going to make it equal. Let's talk about it. You know? And I read a comment from this man under that post, right? He said, what did he say? He said, women motivate men. This says a lot whether you know it or not. If men of a group are not doing all he can to improve his situation, which is your problem, dude, (laughs) that means the women are not motivating enough. Remember, if he wanted to, he would. So why are black men not doing better again? Because women are not motivating enough, period. He said, period, like he says something, y'all. Child, bye. It's not a woman's job to motivate a man to do better if he doesn't want to do better for himself like that makes no sense we're not your mother that was your mother's job and i'm sorry your mother failed you in that category because probably your father wasn't around which is not her fault either so who are you really mad at it's not us and it shouldn't be us why are you not mad at these male role, model, uh, role models not boosting you men up to be the best version of yourselves that is not a woman's position in the same breath calling us masculine for wanting us to cheer you on as a masculine role it doesn't make sense it doesn't add up the math is not mathing and this is coming this is becoming to be a real big issue i'm noticing and and a lot of women that i see are having issues in the dating scene because they battle with this whole situation a man needs to learn how to lead before he steps into a relationship if not don't don't be in a relationship is that, <laughs> Is that simple and then turn around and gaslight women by saying that they're being too masculine well a lot of women wouldn't be masculine if men were doing masculine things for us to rest in our femininity. A lot of women can't even rest in our femininity because you don't have a lot of men that know how to lead and be men and then turn around and blame us for not motivating. What, why does a woman need you You know, to be motivated by her expense when you should just want that for yourself? Y'all hear that? Do y'all hear that? Do y'all listen to yourself sometimes? Did he really just blame women for not what pushing you off the couch and getting you No, that's not our job. (laughs) Like, no, 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 no. That is that is not our job, y'all. That that was your mom's job. And it should have been her job, you know, unless you were in a single parent household, but it should have been your father's job, honestly. But in case you grew up in a single household, which a lot of people have in the black community, you should have, you should have been taught that as a youngster, like not when you're like in your thirties, like what what are we doing here? What are we doing here? He really legit blamed women for not motivating his lazy ass to get a real career or a real job or able to even mentally be in a position to take care of a woman, let alone a family structure. Like, come on, you know? Anyways, back to Kevin Samuels. Now, transitioning to Kevin Samuels' uh, bitter behind. He's very bitter. That man is so bitter. Um, he came out. And let me give you you guys a trigger warning um, for DV, which stands for domestic violence, for those that don't know. Um, this next segment that I'm going to be discussing can be triggering for those who may have experienced DV themselves or know someone that has or just in general can be triggered by hearing a man literally denying that domestic violence happens to black women, period. I mean, that's trig- that should be triggering for anyone that knows that that is not true. Domestic violence happens at a crazy proportional rate towards black women, especially in this country. We all should know this by now just because we don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening, right? Just because we don't see air doesn't mean that we're not breathing it in. So let me just, saw before I play this, because I've listened to this clip probably like three times already, just to have an understanding of the level of audacity of this man and why he has so many followers, which I believe is like a cult of incels and People that hate black women, period. Like there's no other way to describe it. Is he right sometimes? Yeah, he can be, but who isn't? I mean, we can all <laughs> if we look at the color red, we can all agree that the color is red, you know? But um, uh, unless you're colorblind, no T no shade, of course, but maybe you don't know, can't distinguish, you know, depending on your your eyesight. But you get what I mean. So this trash bag, I'm about to play the clip literally uh denied that domestic violence doesn't happen to black women because he simply doesn't see it or he's only seen it once and then he and then he doubled down by saying it was both of them it was a man and woman fighting so y'all prepare yourselves This is about to be annoying but um here we go yeah dealing with all this abuse abuse abuse
1: I'm going to do the show on abuse next week because I'm tired of hearing this bull crap. i'm
2: sorry I,
0: he called it bullcrap. <laughs> he called it bullcrap, like women have died were murdered because of domestic violence, and he called that book how did you know what let me let me save my commentary. I'm sorry, y'all, let me continue okay
2: I do not see women being abused i I don't see women I don't see black women being physically abused never really have i'm gonna just say it i never really have seen black women being abused in my entire life i have known the one woman and that was one of my mother's friends back in the 70s one
1: and she and her husband she and her man they would fight each other one
0: yeah he said that I am be going to you know say which video it came from because I don't want to give him too much attention in regards of clicks and views but you guys get the point of this man um so-called man uh just say something so vile and just I mean he has over a million subscribers by the way so over a million people are able to see this if you know if not more um for him to sit, say that on his platform, he was already, you know, controversial. He was already, you know, someone that would spew rhetoric and just say false, you know, statistics and data um, in order to favor in his rhetoric. But it's even more sad that he could say something so oblivious like that, like so wrong, where you legit have women in so many shelters and women that are afraid of their lives every day, especially during the pandemic, when people had to stay home with their, um, with their partner that would abuse them, you know? I mean, I don't even think people were thinking of that part either. So he gave his anecdotal experience about how he's never seen it, you know, and he's only seen it once. So does he have does his eyesight which he wear glasses by the way so his eyesight isn't that great to begin with but is he seeing the world like at once like does he have like this like wandavision thing going on like i'm trying to understand like how he came to the conclusion when google is right there right google is right there and he prides himself on telling women not to think what their feelings are based upon the anecdotal experiences of how they view black men but he turned around and does the same thing by denying that black women don't experience the violence violence just because his ass doesn't see it make it make sense. I mean we can't but make it make sense in a way that you know, talk to me like a fifth grader. I would love to know how many men are right now online defending that. I'm pretty sure a lot of a, a lot of men are, but it's just very shocking to me that this is where we are as a society, especially as a black community, we're now debunking actual statistics. But guess what? Speaking of statistics, let's dive right on into statistics. Let's dive right on into the very data that debunks his ignorance, okay? Shout out to Women of Color Network, all right? I'm going to link them right in my um the description box. I'm going to link them in the, in the description box, and y'all can click the link yourselves and check it out, because I love data. I love facts, okay? Y'all know that right now hopefully some of y'all know that i don't know but anyways we're going to talk about african-american women because he mentioned black women in america this is this is where we're going with this all right here we go an estimated 29.1 percent of african-american females are victimized by intimate partner violence in their lifetime that includes rape physical assault or stalking African-American females experience intimate partner violence at a rate of 35% higher than that of white females, and about 2.5 times the rate of women of other races. However, they are less likely than white women to use social services battered women's programs or go to the hospital because of domestic violence we all know that this whole idea of protecting black men right so that they don't face prison because there's already a lot of black men in prison as it is so a lot of black women have this ideology some not all have this ideology of protecting black men look at megan a after she was allegedly shot in her foot i have to say the word allegedly i have to but she was allegedly shot in her foot and and she didn't want the police to come to arrest Tori Lance because she already understands how, you know, oh, if if a police shows up, police ain't, ain't gonna care about the questions and the facts. They're just gonna shoot. You know what I mean? So she was like, I I didn't wanna snitch because I'm trying to protect another black man, even though he shot me. <laughs> you know, like come on now. All right. So it's not like you know how black women marching for black men. You know, in the face of police brutality, et cetera, and and gun violence, even if it's amongst our own communities and against each other, the whole idea of black women trying to protect black men will eventually, at this point in this showing, that it's going to bite us in the end because of situations like this. All right. Now let me let me keep going. According to the National Violence Against Women Survey, N V A W S. African-American women experience higher rates of intimate partner homicide than when, sorry, when compared to their white counterparts. Statistics show that African-American women typically uh, comprise about 70% of Black congregations' religious convictions and a fear, shame, or rejection from the church may contribute to their remaining in an abusive relationships. This is giving me very much of like, Woman, Thou Art loosed. Unless you guys know that movie, then you know what I'm talking about. But if you don't, <laughs> that movie alone is very triggering. Um, I, I don't even know how I can explain such a, a horrible ending to a movie um but let me let me let me give you guys a background at least let me give you guys a background Women Thou Art Lose is about when Michelle which you can watch on Tubi for free but it's when Michelle who is played by the actress who I like Kimberly Elise is only twelve years old she is raped by Reggie who played who is played by Clifton Powell, who typically plays a very type of role in you know being a villain. um the boyfriend of her mother, Loretta Divine, okay, that's who plays her when her mother does not believe her ac- accusations. Michelle runs away and begins a downward spiral that includes drugs and prostitution. Eventually landing in prison. There she hears of Bishop T.D. T. Jakes, who's playing himself, a preacher who works with women like her. Jake Jakes takes an interest in Michelle's case and visits her. I don't want to give away the ending, but it's a very powerful film that actually proves the point of the statistics, which I love seeing films portraying real life. Like this is some real life stuff. Um, ease bio. Like that is a legit real like scenario that can happen anytime, anywhere in America, you know, with black women and black young girls. I I, I hate to keep saying this word, the R-word, but it's true. A lot of young black girls are being molested and raped by, you know, their male uh, family members or people that they're dating or even strangers, you know, and no one is discussing this on these red pill or male platforms as to holding each other accountable for how to treat black women. You know, it's only the negative side of black women, which I'm saying, not every black woman is innocent in regards of portraying, you know, setting black men up, for murder, or or any of this part. I'm not just saying that all black women are innocent. That's not where I'm getting at. Just in case a lot of these people that are following me or listening to this is portraying that, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm only giving facts because it has to be talked about. If you're going to have a conversation about holding black women accountable, you also have to have a conversation about holding black men accountable. It's not a one-way street here. You cannot go down a one-way street backwards and then bust a U-turn and act like you're going the, the right way whenever it's convenient for you. No, absolutely not. If we're talking about black collective uplift, then we have to talk about both sides. Tonight, I'm talking about the men's side, okay? That's it. That's all. And it, And it's not like I haven't talked about, you know, black women for doing certain things or thinking a certain way about Black men. So uh, it's not like I haven't spoke about that on my platform. I've actually gotten people, Black women, that were down my throats talking about, I hate Black women. I legit have, if you look on iTunes and you look at the actual reviews, there's legit a Black woman accusing me of not liking Black women because I was holding Black women accountable for their transphobia when it comes to trans Black women. So you know, I, I you can't win for losing. So I'm going to speak my truth regardless of how people feel. The facts are the facts. And this is what I represent. And I would never change my tune. I would never change my tone because you don't like the facts. Let me continue. The statistics on domestic violence in the United States are disturbing. One in three women and one in 10 men will experience domestic violence in their lifetime each year domestic violence is estimated to affect 10 million people in the united states of america yet for black women the numbers are even more stark more than 40 percent of black women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime according to the institute of women's policy Research's status of black women in the united states in comparison to 31.5 percent of all women will experience domestic violence in general A report from the National Center for Victims of Crime found that 53.8% of Black women have had experienced psychological abuse, not physical, but psychological abuse, because we don't like to factor in emotional and psychological abuse as well, right? So, while 41.2% of Black women had experienced physical abuse, you then have that other side of 53.8% of Black women that experienced psychological and emotional abuse, which is just as disturbing and effective. to to making the black woman feel as though she's less than and less powerful as a woman as a human being this is real you guys okay more disturbingly black women are 2.5 times more likely to be murdered by men than white women are in the overwhelming majority of these cases 92 percent The person who killed them knew their victim. Fifty-six percent of these homicides were committed by a current or formal intimate partner. Nearly all ninety-two percent of these killings were intraracial, which means that they were committed by a black man against a black woman. All right. For those that are active in the church, uh, especially if you're Christian. We're not going to act like pastors don't actually violate young girls or even grown women in the name of feeling like they're protected by their congregation because a lot of people, a lot of some, a lot of black Christians that attend churches will protect their, uh, their pastor by all means necessary, even if they know that they're dead wrong. Okay. How dare a black woman step to the congregation and, and expose their pastor, their, their beloved pastor, that he's a, he's a sexual violator or an abuser. They go on to castrate this black woman and kick her out of the congregation because how dare you expose something like that. You're supposed to keep it on the hush in the black community, all right? You're supposed to keep it on the hush. If your pastor is doing some disgusting things, you're supposed to be quiet about it because... You're going to ruin the whole movement of us being liberated into into the heavens into the gates of heavens you' you're you're ruining the whole process, lady. That is legit how black women are treated in church. I promise you this because I've seen it with my own eyes, okay all right and I'm so happy that they included this part in there. It's crazy. As a result of historical and present-day racism, African American women may be less likely to report her abuser or seek help because of discrimination. African American men's vulnerability to police brutality and negative stereotyping is this not what I just said about Megan Stallion? How she didn't want to to tell the police because she was protecting Tory Lanez from being shot or killed or put into prison because she's trying to protect another black man, even though he harmed her, allegedly? Hello? When are we going to stop playing the mammy role for for these men that are legit are killing us or abusing us? When? We gotta stop that, all right? If somebody does you harm, regardless of their race, because we're quick to talk about racism, but when when it comes to our actual black men that are actually harming and killing ourselves, We're like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to get the police involved. We can't do that. Nope, nope. Because they're going to come on. They're going to on arrival upon arrival. They will shoot and kill that man. If a man shoots me and I survive. And I call the police. And and if the police comes and they do their job. And if he threatens to actually, you know, shoot or kill me. I'm going to let the police do whatever they need to do. I don't care at that point what the police does to this man that actually harmed me, especially in front of my child or children. No way. No way. No way. My Whitney Houston voice? No way. No way.
3: No way. They've written it? No way.
0: Non arrests of suspected abusers of African American women in a fear that police will exercise an abuse of power. Have contributed to African American women's reluctance to involve law enforcement. Stereotypes amplify the complexities of African American women encounter when trying to seek help services. Myths that African American women are "quote unquote" domineering figures that require qu- control "quote unquote," or that African American women are exceptionally stronger under stress women are quote-unquote exceptionally strong under stress and are resilient quote increase their vulnerability and discourage some from speaking out about abuse culturally and historically african-american women have been looked to as the protectors of their family and community some women may impact impart Forgiveness for their abuser's behavior and endure the abuse due to religious obligations under Christian doctrine. This form of quote unquote religious maternalism or caretaking towards their spouse end quote casts them as their husband's protectors and makes it more difficult for women to report their abuse or leave their abuser. All right, you know it's simply the cognitive dissonance for me that people have in the black community, whenever it's convenient and whenever certain facts fits their narrative, that's when we spew shit. And I don't, that's not how I operate because I'm an avid reader. I am an independent free thinker. I don't think, you know, in in groups, like I don't think of things just because it's popular or I don't follow like cult, like, Mindsets because that's what will give me clicks and views. I would be way more famous or well known if I sold my soul. I'll be way more relevant if I was not on code, but I am. So I'm going to get the hate. I'm going to get the back push. I'm going to get the, oh, you don't care about your people, even though I'm, I'm talking about real stuff that our leader, Malcolm X, and, you know, James Baldwin. Or, you know, Dr. Claude Anderson or Chicago's chairman of the Black Panther Party, Fred Hampton, etc., have spoken about. Nothing that I be saying in regards of economics in the Black community or politics is new. This is this is legit. A lot of this stuff I talk about is legit coming from your fave. Whenever comes Black History Month, a lot of people love quoting our Black leaders until real Black Negroes that are legit in your real life start saying the same things in depth, in detail, and all of a sudden they're a sellout and they don't care about the people because a lot of us hate having the mirror being held up to our faces. And it shows or reflects our actual actions that doesn't represent the Black community in which that we're trying to actually make uh, grant, you know, that we're trying to make be this, this group of individuals and group of people, because I don't talk about individualism. I talk about the group, the collective when it comes to the black community. I don't speak of my own personal experience or others. I'm talking about the entire collective, right? We have a lot of work to do. And accountability is our demise because we hate accountability. We hate count- accountability whenever it comes to our faves, our favorite athletes, our favorite artists, our favorite actor, our favorite journalist, our favorite anchor in the news, our favorite whatever, you know, your favorite YouTuber, your favorite person on Instagram. You know, we, we love Not holding certain people accountable because that means that we will have to self-reflect, which a lot of people aren't willing to do. A lot of people aren't even willing to be comfortable in their own self-comfort. And what I mean by that is a lot of people aren't even comfortable, you know, going to uh the movie theaters or going out to eat or going to concerts or or just, you know, enjoying a walk in the park by themselves. Y'all love having people around y'all. And this is no T, no shade. I'm not shaming at this point. But what I mean is We need to understand why that is. Why are a lot of people not comfortable with their own self-ideology and existence as a black individual in this country in which we pride ourselves on being the number one? Why is it that some people are legit seeking validation amongst others when they can't even validate themselves? You're validating yourself amongst another individual that don't even know who they are. Where do you think that's going to lead you down the road? Self destruction, right? It's going to lead as a whole, the community, destruction in general. If you have multiple people self destructing themselves, what I am seeing today, July 13th, 2021, as someone that is 29 years old, what I am seeing is a level of compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue. Y'all are tired of showing compassion, right? Y'all are tired of showing empathy. There is no level that I can get on that can express how much that I am disappointed and the the, the, the amount of people that legit refuse to show empathy amongst each other. I, I don't even know what the hell is going on. I really can't describe it. Y'all are fatigued. Y'all are tired. And I, and of course we could blame society and racism, social economics. We can blame, you know, black pathology. We can blame a lot of different things on this, but self-accountability is beautiful. Let me tell you, apologizing is beautiful. Like showing the world that, you know what? I'm not perfect and I don't want to be perfect, but I will tell you, that I am the way that I am because of these factors. So let's fix it, let's get it together. If you can't even do that, then we're screwed. There's no way of us getting out of being damn near a, a fourth class citizen like Dr. Claude Anderson said. There's no way of the black American community being the top tier like we was during the civil rights movement which i have my own opinion on okay the the civil rights movement has its pros and cons and if anybody thinks that the civil rights movement was all about joy and and you know progression in the sense of benefiting the black american community long term you are highly mistaken you are highly mistaken and if you read about black social economics, you would know this by now. The civil rights movement and the integration of this country did not benefit black Americans in the long run up until 2021 of today. It did not benefit us because guess what? Why are we begging the, the Joe Biden administration for basic, you know, policies intangibles even though we're the majority of the vote why are we now still begging okay 60 plus years in of being dedicated to being the majority in the democratic party why are we still begging for protection and the Asian hate crime bill was passed before our bill was passed. If it wasn't for the civil rights movement, Asians will not be here, let alone black other black uh, immigrants. So, and, and white people as well. Let's not forget history, you guys, okay? So, if we're going to talk about the collective uplift. We're pointing the blame at the wrong people, okay? I am not a Democrat or a liberal. I am not a conservative. Or a right wing or, you know, <laughs> or or uh, you know, Republican. I'm an independent voter. I'm a, a free thinker. I, I specifically go based upon facts. I'm not associated with a party just because they're a party. You know what? Let me let me insert some um sound bites for you guys about Dr. Claude Anderson, who is legit someone that I truly respect on a very high level. Um Someone that just simply gets it unapologetically, and we we've had leaders, we no longer have them, you know. I mean, Dr. Claude Anderson is still alive, granted, and his his wisdom and words will always impact the black American community here. We don't have any new leadership besides, you know, the typical you know, black folks from YouTube or Twitter that feel like they're a part of the leadership, you know. Um, Minus uh Yvette Carnell and Antonia Moore, who are the co-founders of the ADO West Foundation movement. I just want to play a sound um a sound bite, and this sound bite comes from the video on YouTube. You guys can look it up yourself, the full video. It's, a, it's an hour and 45 minutes and 55 seconds, and it's titled Dr. Claude Anderson Dash Reparations. Okay. So reparations is my movement. That's what I'm for. That's what I always be for. Black Americans, aka American descent of slavery or descent of chattel slavery, we deserve reparations from American government and we're old trillions about over 17 trillion dollars worth. Um so for me, y'all you know those that know me, if you're if you new to this uh podcast, welcome. This is where I represent, this is where I stand as a black American woman uh, with some native blood in me, but this is where I stand, okay? Dr. Claude Anderson is someone that legit gave the real, And so I'm going to insert some sound bites from him, okay? All right, here we go. And I will link the actual video in the description box like everything else, all right, okay.
2: One other third reason that popped up, and they tried to deal with it through Lincoln, was that a white slave owner said, but on the other hand, they said, don't you know we've invested something like $8 billion? We got more money invested in slaves than we got in all the businesses in in the United States and all levels of government put together. The biggest form of investment in the United States was money invested in slaves. And they didn't want to lose that money. And so what Lincoln did to try to resolve that, he says, well, what I'll do is that let me give you all some reparations. And if I decide to send them out of the country, I'll give you some reparations. So he sent a bill over to Congress to give reparations to white slave owners, saying if you all were free the slaves, I'll give you reparations for it. And the only place they got it was in Washington, D.C. But Washington, D.C. just happened to be the slave capital of the world at that time. And so in Washington, D.C., it went through where they awarded something like $300 for every black slave that was released by a white owner. And that was reparation for whites. The war started now, what are they gonna do with all these blacks? So we go from about 1861 to about 1862. Now that's the, now, remember I just told you these points now about they needed blacks for labor and consumer and they wanted reparations. Remember those three points. Now here comes 1862. In 1862, we're into a war, and the the North is losing the war. The South is beating the devil out of the North. The South is beating the devil out of the North. There was no way that the North could win the war. No way they could win it. They couldn't win it for some very simple facts. Fact one, they couldn't win it because the South had all the wealth. The South had all the wealth. The North did not have the wealth. The North was a poor area of the country. Didn't have any money because she's slavery. I just told you, you had $8 billion just in black slaves alone. And a white person in the South who owned the slaves had a massive amount of money over Northern. As a matter of fact, a white person in the South who had what we call a gang plantation. We use gang slavery. He had 400 times the wealth of a typical Northern white. Ooh. A white man in the South. With two slaves had more money than the average white male in the North by throwing his family, his home, his car, I mean his wagons, animals, business, anything else, throwing together. That's where all your wealth was.
0: That is called chattel slavery. Because they're going to be opposed to you for a very
2: simple reason. That's called R-A-C-I-S-M, racism. Racism means maintain the conditions on black folk the way they always were. So they don't want you to change anything. So they're going to come after you. But keep in mind that whether or not white folks want reparations for black folk is immaterial. We could care less about what they think. That's not the issue. That's like, because in a system of justice, when it, it, it is not the perpetrator's responsibility to decide whether or not you're entitled to compensation. See, in other words, if you ran over my house right now and killed my dog and something, I sue you, you can't say, well, I, I, yeah, I killed your dog, tore up your house, but I'm against you, suing me. That's the immaterial to me. It is black folks' uh, decision whether or not they want reparations and how they're going to get it. So, so, And they start talking about white folks oppose it, Fine. I told you a few minutes ago, 99% of all the white people in America were opposed to freedom for black folk out of slavery. Keep that in mind. 99% were opposed to your being freed in 1860 at the eve of the Civil War. Also, and again, doing integration, you had about 87% of all the white people in America were opposed to integrating. So whether or not they want emancipation or not is immaterial. So be ready to deal with them. The second group you got to deal with are going to be black folk. You're gonna have all kind of black folk in this country gonna be opposed to reparation black for black for for you. They're gonna be, <laughs> be jumping out. They're gonna be jumping out. of They're gonna be jumping out of the woodwork. They be jumping out of the woodwork because they're scared to death. They're just as scared now as they were in 1860. They gonna say we don't have anything, and, and when we ask for something, they they'll take away what we got, and we don't have it. But they'll take nothing away from us. And so you're going to have that group that's always scared and they're always going to say it's better for us to have nothing than you try to get something because that way they'll take us back to nothing which is where we are already.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome doc- Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Claude Anderson is one of the very few people that I've ever listened to that laid it out as simple as it can be laid out as. Okay? Let's talk about joy um, grew. I may have pronounced her name, her last name wrong, but it is spelled D-E-G-R-U-Y. DeGruy or DeGry. Like it depends on your accent, but nevertheless, that's her name. And she wrote a book called Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome which is what I see a lot of black Americans participating in. Unfortunately, if you don't know where you came from, you're not going to know where you're going. You're not even going to know why you exist. That is my main prerogative is that I want people to understand why do you exist right now? Because a lot of black Americans, I don't call myself African-American for many reasons now, but the reason that you exist is we're not supposed to be here. Okay. Okay. Black Americans were not supposed to be here today, but we are we survived and we we've accomplished we are we are the 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 group of people in the diaspora and the in the world that people love to imitate and think that they can grab our culture and wear it like it's in a costume because people think that black American culture doesn't exist. people think that black American culture is something that you can just, like I said in the past episodes, in the beginning, that people can just be like, oh, I'm American, or I'm black, or I'm a person of color, and so since you're in America, free for all, a melting pot, y'all don't really exist. Y'all not really an ethnicity. Y'all don't really have lineage. So we're going to like, we're going to take that y'all culture, whether it's music or film or arts and food and dialect and, and costumes and style and hairstyles to, co- you know, to actual outfits. We're going to like legit copy all shit. And we're going to be like, y'all don't have culture. Y'all don't have culture, but we're gonna steal your shit anyway, rock it as if it's for everybody, and gaslight y'all as if y'all don't fucking have shit, and tell y'all to shut the fuck up whenever y'all say, no, 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 you can't fucking appropriate our shit. Do we not see this all the time? You know? Seriously. Like Fat Joe, for instance, who's a white Puerto Rican man that grew up in, in New York around black people legit calls himself black because he grew up around black people and, and is a participating in hip-hop so uh, you know that's a whole different conversation and i already had that conversation before actually low-key high-key i've already had this conversation in regards to white latinos participating in black culture as if they fucking represent us no not every puerto rican or dominican is is black all right because we have to understand what ethnicity, what race, and nationality means. They're not all the same. Until you get that, pro- until you get along with that program, you're just talking. You're just talking to defend your ignorance. And I don't, I don't participate in listening to none of that because I'm a, abo- I'm above it as a Black American woman. I'm above it, and I say that with pride. I'm above it. So no, okay. But he said a lot of things that matters today. And I'm not understanding how we're so conflicted with understanding this. Why are we so confused? Let me talk about the summary of the post-traumatic slave syndrome book by Joy uh, DeGroo. A condition that exists when a population has experienced multi-generational trauma resulting from centuries of slavery and continues to experience oppression in, Institutionalized racism today. You know that saying of Harriet Tubman? She could have freed more slaves if those slaves knew that they were slaves, right? If people think that there is nothing wrong, how can you tell them in their face that there is something wrong? In their minds, they are comfortable or conditioned, not comfortable necessarily all the time, but conditioned to feel comfortable in their oppression. Because if you don't know better, you won't do better. None of this is new. If you want something done the right way, you do it yourself. So I I can't participate in the ignorance of people acting like history is not there. The library is right there. I'm sure everybody has a library in their town or city. Pick up a book. It will not harm you to take 30 minutes out of your day to read a chapter or two. I promise you to speak on such issues. Because a lot of people are intimidated or speaking about these things. And I'm like, yo, you shouldn't have to. You don't have to have a a college education to talk about these issues. You live it as a black person. You live this everyday experience. All you have to do is just read a book that validates your experience. And then you can actually start using words that makes you seem as though you know what you're talking about, even though you already do. You You may not say these big words, whether you're using Ebonics or AAVE, which is still validated because I don't tell, I don't, I don't deal with people shaming those that speak Ebonics or African-American vernacular English because that is legit an actual dialect. That is legit and uh, actual language for us. And for those that actually shame it, shame on you. No different than, you know, being a Geechee person from the Carolinas, North Carolina. Or anyone that's like, say, in Africa, you know, in in any country there's a tribe. No one gets on (laughs) people from the African diaspora about their language or their dialect just because, you know, you may speak English or French or, you know, a European (laughs) language because of colonization. So it is very confusing to me that, you know, still to this day that people don't understand the fact that indeed, ebonics is a language of ours for the ADOS community. As of right now, I'm going to quote Jordan B. Peterson, who's someone that I actually respect because he just sticks to it. You know, he just sticks to the facts. He, he don't care about, you know, being popular He's all about facts, and that's where I'm at. So I'm going to quote something about him, and I'm going to insert a soundbite from him that actually makes sense as to where exactly we are today, especially on social media um, when it comes to facts, and just sticking to that, right?
1: Attributed to the lack of demand for logical consistency as a consequence of postmodern thinking. You can believe one thing when it's convenient in one situation and another thing when it's convenient for another.
0: And to pretty much wrap that all up, he is mentioning what we like to call cognitive dissonance, okay? We like to separate ourselves from the truth because it doesn't align with what we believe is the truth. Even though the research and the data and the analytics and you know the analysis and the scholars, et cetera, are there, okay? We have to get back to critically thinking and making sure that we don't put our feelings involved rather than talking about facts. We can give our anecdotal experiences. That's wonderful. And it is a contribution to having a conversation in regards to facts as well, just as much as opinions, you know? Um, there's educated opinions as well, but it doesn't mean that it's a fact. I believe that we are a part of the group thinking ideology where we don't like to research our own, you know, investments in reading or whether it's online or even blogs, (laughs) you know, so even people think or believe that reading a blog is an actual article. Um, no, like blogs can be biased as well. Right. So I, 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 I want to, make reading again popular. (laughs) Honestly, because if you ask someone, how often do they read? And you know, the average person would say sometimes, you know, um, even online on social media, on Instagram, I've seen people write, you know, about two or three paragraphs or something. And then you'll have someone say, I'm not reading all that. Please. Can someone read that for me? I'm not reading all that. And it will only be like three paragraphs, but they're so invested in the topic or the, the topic of the discussion. But talking and reading are two different things. You have to put forth an energy or enough care to understand the full length of what is the actual truth. And until you do that, you're going to just pick up on someone reading it for you and possibly not give you the full actual facts because, you know, A lot of things that are posted on Instagram are like screenshots of life or, or screenshots of a topic. You have to read articles. You have to read. You just do. And now there's so many options. You can, um, now you can have authors reading to you, (laughs) you know, we have eBooks now and even Google will offer most books, um, the first 35 pages for free to read. You pick and choose which book, most books on Google. If you just type in any book, Google will give you the first 35 pages to read for free, right? I, I just want people to start critically thinking and not get their feelings involved so much. Um, but we'll see, you know, how things go. But on that note, you guys, I've rambled on enough. <laughs> um, there's a lot more to talk about um, in these next couple, coming up days. Um, shout out to Normani. Uh, she came out with a music video and a new song with Cardi B. Um, I don't really care for Cardi B, but I do like the song and she looks amazing in the music video minus the nudity part with her press against Cardi B because I'm I'm starting to get tired of seeing Black women being seen in this over-sexualized way because Normandy is very talented. She's beautiful. She can dance and sing. She's very creative and um has a lot of great characters, so i don't I didn't see the point of her stripping down nude to deliver her sex appeal or her message and um she's young really she's like twenty four twenty five maybe younger I don't know but um she's definitely in her early twenties, and I just I'm not understanding the whole over sexualization of these young women that are actually talented, you know, but that's just my opinion right all right um I'll catch you guys a little later um I'm going to make sure that I write out exactly what I want to discuss because this was kind of like on a whims because I haven't posted in a while and I wanted to make sure that I give my all into the, the topics that um, I spoke on today. So I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. I am interested in reading a book called Is Marriage for White People? And that's legit a question mark. I found that title to be very interesting, but it actually makes sense. But it's by Ralph Richard Banks, and he's a writer and uh, a Stanford Law School professor. But pretty much he concludes that single is a new black, which poses a serious problem um, for the black American community and how the percentage in marriage is very low for our community and how actually marriage is great socioeconomically for us. And it's, it's a very interesting read. So, um, yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Be safe out here. Seriously, be safe. Um, COVID is still real out here and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.